Welcome to Digital Marketing Happy Hour, a podcast about marketing, technology, and life. This is episode 48, How to Rank Your SMB for Local SEO, and it starts right now. Digital Marketing Happy Hour is brought to you by Last Call. If you don't have time to stay up to date on the latest news affecting the digital marketing landscape, listen to Digital Marketing Happy Hour Last Call for a brief recap on the latest news with commentary so you will stay informed. A new episode drops every Monday on this podcast. For more information, go to araxam.com. That's A-R-A-X-A-M.com. So this is a happy hour, and what happy hour is complete without a few beverages? Ryan, what's on tap this week? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I go through phases uh, on this happy hour with beers and wine and beers and more wine. So I'm back kind of jumping on uh, the red wine kick. One of the ones that I do enjoy is uh, it, it's a Cabernet. It's a Franciscan. It's from California, of course, because the best cabs come from California. So that is what I am uh, enjoying during this happy hour. What do you have in front of you? You know, I've been on a craft beer kick lately, and uh, a lot of it's been local, and that is no different this week. I am drinking a Beach Blonde Ale, which comes from Three Daughters Brewing, which is locally based here in the St. Petersburg area. That is actually one of my favorite Three Daughters beers. We have our beverages in hand, so let's get started. He's Chris Casale. I'm Ryan Smith. Thank you for joining us this week on the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. If you're new to our podcast, then we welcome you. If you're a repeat listener, thank you. And if you continue to find value in this podcast, would you please kindly leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, Audible, or whatever platform you listen to this podcast on? So we've spent the last few weeks talking about analytics on the podcast, and we're actually going to transition into a little bit of SEO and what we're calling a two-part mini-series focused on local SEO. We'll discuss why ranking on Google with local SEO is vital for any brick-and-mortar location. We'll explain what you need to do and show you how to optimize your assets to rank in Google for local SEO, and we'll break down the difference between showing up in the local pack and local organized results on Google's search engine results page. And we'll also explain what the difference is between the two of them. And we're also going to explain why it's vital for any SMB with a brick and mortar location, any physical location, no matter if you're located in a large market, a big city, or you're tucked away in a rural part of the country, we're going to go through why local SEO is so important to your business. In 2020, pre-pandemic, It was estimated there were more than 300,000 brick-and-mortar retail stores in the United States alone. You may have heard this. Small businesses are the lifeblood of the United States economy. And in a pre-pandemic era, they accounted for about 44% of U.S. economic activity. So when we talk about local SEO, It's really important for these small to medium-sized businesses, these mom-and-pop shops, these retail outlets to get visibility. And we're going to go through, again, break down the importance of that. When we think of SEO, we typically think of rankings in the search engine results page that appear, but that's not a paid ad. 
So when we take it one step further, we can break down localized organic rankings from local SEO. Well, what's the difference between organic rankings and local SEO? Well, there's a couple of ways, especially when I talk to clients and they're not exactly sure. I said, you see local SEO almost every single time you do a search. When you do a search and immediately you see the map pop up and then underneath that map, you're going to see three different listings. That is your local SEO or your local pack results. When you go just below that, you're going to see a few listings and that's your localized organic results. Now, obviously, one of the ways you can tell it's localized, you might have your local city name in the listings or at least a nearby town in there. And that could be whether it's, you know, the 10 best restaurants in insert your city here or the 50 best restaurants in that city. And you'll see probably some of the bigger locations. So it could be the platforms. If you're looking for restaurants, for example, you might see a TripAdvisor, you might see a Zagat or something along those lines, maybe even Yelp located there, but they will be localized. So those are some of the big differences between your local pack results, your localized organic results, and then anything underneath that is going to be just your typical organic rankings. So again, organic rankings is your non-paid, but then we have sort of subsets of organic, your local SEO, your localized organic, and then your organic. If you serve customers locally, you should focus on improving your local search presence so more people can find you. Yeah, Ryan. So local pack results and local organic results are very important. And they're both a little bit different, right? As you mentioned, the local pack has, you know, usually the business name, it's got, you know, sometimes hours of operations, usually it's got a rating next to it. And very importantly, it's got a photo. Sometimes it appears at the top of the page. If you're on a mobile setting, if you're on your desktop where, you know, your screen's a little bit wider, it might appear further off to the right, but this is a good place to be because your eye is often drawn to the images as well as the ratings and things like that. So I wouldn't say one is more important than the other, but if you had to pick one, showing up in that local pack results is going to do more to get you more traffic than just being in the localized organic results. However, you want to appear in the localized organic results as well, because individuals that are clicking through to find something your business will be front and center. And this is what makes local SEO so important. If you don't believe us just based on that information, here are a couple stats that hopefully will help change your perspective. And the first one is, according to Think with Google, 30% of all mobile searches are related to a location. And all of us do it, right? It doesn't matter. You know, you might be out with a group of friends, out with your family, and you're like, oh, let's get something to eat. Well, what's in the area? And you do a search on your phone, right? You're looking for things that are in your immediate vicinity, and you're doing it right on your mobile phone tied to a location. Might be to find a store, a retail outlet, a Home Depot, you name it. All of us do this now, thanks to how big mobile has become and how everybody seems to have mobile and data everywhere. We're leveraging this to find things that are close to us. Yeah, and the next two stats go together. So I'm going to kind of combine these uh, here in in one. 76% of people who search on their smartphones for something nearby visit that business within a day. That's also from Google. And then 28% of searches for something nearby results in a purchase. 
And again, so there is the, the, obviously when we're talking about local SEO, you want that visibility, you want to get on top of the page. And it's even more important to be on top when we're talking about mobile phones. And the, one of the biggest reasons is the screen size. When you're on top of a mobile phone, there's not a whole lot of real estate for some of the other searches. So if you're on sort of, you have to scroll with your finger and go to the, it feels like the next page, even though it's still on the first page, the more times you scroll your finger down, the less likely somebody is to click on that ranking. So being at the top is huge and especially more so with mobile as again, 76% of people who search on their smartphones for something nearby are going to visit a business within a day. And then of course, 28% are going to result in a purchase. The next stat says Yelp appears in the top five search results for 92% of Google web queries that include a city and a business category. That's probably not a surprise to you. What is, you know, when you're looking for a local restaurant or a local business or, or something along those lines locally, what is one of the first things that people go to to see if it's any good? And that is ratings and reviews. And Yelp is among the top providers of those. So it should not surprise you that that Yelp listing for a particular business is likely to show up in the top five of those search results. 54% of smartphone users search for business hours and 53% search for directions to a local store. Where this information comes from is directly visible within Google My Business. These are things that small business owners can control through their GMB profile. We'll get more into that in a little bit, but when you're talking about half of users search for hours and directions to that local business, goes to show you, again, how important it is to optimize for local SEO. About 45% of global shoppers buy online and then pick up in store. And this doesn't surprise me, Ryan, because I just did this recently. I needed a part for my truck and I went online to see sort of who had it and what you know the pricing was, where I could find it cheapest. And I found out that one of the cheapest providers also had in-store pickups so I could make the order online and they would email me when it was ready and I could just go drive and pick it up. And in the world we live in today of instant gratification, I wanted it cheap and I wanted it quick. And by performing that search online and picking up locally, I got both of those things. Yeah, I've done that before. I I bought TVs actually that way, I think through Best Buy, very, very similar to that. Where to buy and near me mobile searches have grown by over 200% in the pre-pandemic era. So again, where to buy and then near me continue to grow. And I think even as we go into start to phase into a post pandemic, you know, in the near future, these types of searches aren't going to decline. It's they are going to continue to grow. Yeah, just to kind of expand on that, the next stat, mobile searches for, quote, store open near me, end quote, have grown by over 250 percent from 2017 to 2019. So for example, putting in grocery store open near me, right? If you're out early in the morning, maybe it's later in the afternoon, or maybe it's on a Sunday and you're looking for something and you're not sure what's open, you know, people are searching for the store that they're looking for, the type of you know product that they're looking for next to store open near me. And I'm guilty of using it as well from time to time. So it doesn't surprise me. And then the last stat we're going to uh, mention here from Google is, Mobile searches for, quote, on sale 
and quote, near me searches have grown by over 250%, again, in this pre-pandemic. So one example for that, someone could be searching for tires on sale near me. Those types of searches have soared. And again, as we continue to evolve into this post-pandemic era, which will be coming hopefully here in the near future, these types of searches are going to continue to grow and increase. Now we're talking about local SEO, but you can use these same keyword phrases if you're running Google search ads. So you can have a combo of of the two, but primarily here, what we're talking about is the free stuff, the organic listings. So those are some useful stats. And hopefully if you weren't a believer at the beginning of the show, by now you recognize just how important local SEO is and how particularly if you have a brick and mortar location, if you have a physical location, it's going to be critical to your success. Even though it's physically located, individuals are not just wandering around trying to find it. They're using mobile and internet searches to be able to find that location. So it's very important. With that, How do you improve your local rank? Well, we've got a couple things here for you that are tips that you can get started with. Start small and work your way up. The first and probably the easiest is create a Google My Business account. This is so easy. Go to Google, go to the My Business account section, set up your page. You can add a profile photo. You can do the name of your business. You can do hours of operation. You can do a whole sort of information. product photos, you can do descriptions of things. There's a ton of information you can put there and that helps drastically with the local SEO rankings. In fact, if you were only going to do one thing on this list, this is probably the thing we'd recommend most, Ryan. Yeah, 100%. And I think anytime you have a Google platform that you can incorporate, you 100% must do it. So if Google is offering it, take advantage of it because you're going to get a benefit. But GMB, Google My Business, is a necessity and it's vital for any business. Now, it's important to know that if, you're, if you've never created your GMB account, but people are, have been searching for it, well, Google wants to provide good customer service. And Google will create some sort of a listing for you if people are starting to search, maybe you're really small, you don't have a lot of resources, you're great at selling your product or service, but you have no marketing background and you didn't even know that you should create a Google My Business account, Google will create something that's listed there so that its users can find it. Now you have to go through a verification process and and claim it and verify it's yours. And it's really important to do that. But if you have never done this before, go and create a Google My Business account as Chris just talked about. Next, what's also listed in GMB pretty prominently is reviews. It is extremely important to get reviews from your happy customers. Now, there are various ways that you can do it. You actually can send them a link via text or email of your your customers. Kindly ask them to leave you a review no different than what we do on this podcast every single episode. You know, it's it's no different than in sales. You don't just get the sale. A lot of times you have to ask for the sale. Customers aren't necessarily just going to leave you a review. Even if they had a great experience, you have to follow that up with, again, sending them an email, sending them a text. There's a lot of third-party vendors like Podium, for example, that really help with this. And when we say happy customers, 
it's important because they have the greatest opportunity to leave you a positive review. And you know right off the bat when you sold a product or a service to somebody, if they're happy or not, or vice versa, you know if they're not happy. And we've seen it time after time where people maybe leave a negative review. What you can do with those people is figure out what the problem is, take it offline, reach out to them, fix that review or fix that problem for them, and then ask them, say, hey, we took care of this. Do you mind going back and updating your review? Maybe going from a one-star to a five-star? Ask for the five-star and they might give you a four-star, but that is going to help. So get regular reviews from your customers. Yeah, that's a good point, Ryan, because with reviews, individuals only leave a review when they're really, really happy and pleasantly surprised with something or when they're really, really angry. Individuals who got exactly what they expected, you know, the service met expectations, they're very unlikely to leave a review because they paid for that exchange. So there's nothing compelling them to go out of their way to leave the review. So one of the best ways to get a positive review, deliver outstanding service. Something as simple as a great customer service exchange, a smile, a compliment, all of those things go a long way. But to Ryan's point, ask for the review. Ask them to go out of their way and leave you a review. If you're in store and you've got a phone, because who doesn't have a phone nowadays, if they're willing to get on camera and leave you a testimonial, these can be leveraged in tremendous ways for your business. So take advantage of it and don't be afraid to ask for it if you've had a good exchange with a customer. Tip number three for improving your local SEO is optimize for voice search. Voice search is taking over. Everybody's using Siri on their Apple phones. They're using Cortana if it's a Microsoft device, Google if it's a Google phone. Uh, and then, of course, Echo, Amazon's you know Alexa voice search as well. We're using voice search more and more. It's becoming a regular part of society. So when you're trying to create content and add information to your business, think about the ways people talk into their devices to request information. Phrase your questions in a way that people are actually asking them. Make sure that you're thinking about what that voice search looks like and how you're framing things so that you're more likely to rank well using voice search. Yeah, and, and it's vital, I think, when you are optimizing for voice search. And just think of when you do a voice search, do you use one word, two words, or maybe is your search query really like five words and longer? So for the most part, people when they do voice search, it is for long tail keywords. Think about that when you're creating content and try to optimize it in the content on your websites. And that will get you started in optimizing for voice search. Next, create content based on your local area. If you are a car dealership and you are having a sale and you're having an event at your car dealership, create content, A, that's help promoting it, and then B, when it's done, you can recap it through a blog post or through video, and you want to optimize it with the city and the location named in the title of it and as well as in the description. These, again, helps send signals, letting people know that this is local in your area. So there's a lot of ways to create content. You just want to make sure that you're including that location or the cities that are nearby in prominent locations like in your headline and in your description or your first paragraph. 
of the article that you're writing. You know, another great way to take advantage of local news stories, Ryan, I think it was David Meerman Scott that came up with the term newsjacking. If there's something that's prominently happening in your area and it's, you know, consuming the local community from a news standpoint, you can create content around that, maybe a special, right? Maybe a discount, a coupon code, something tied to it, or maybe just information and how you're supporting something and leverage your social media channels, leverage the social media channels of your community, you know, your Better Business Bureau and things like that to announce what you're doing so that it makes its way out into the community and take advantage of the current news to help promote your business in a positive light. Tip number five, optimize your website for mobile. You know, we've talked extensively about mobile search, but it is overtaking the internet now. Very fewer and fewer searches are happening on desktops. They're happening on tablets. They're happening on mobile phones. Pretty soon they're going to be happening on on the computer in your car. You know, we're, we're reaching the point where everything has broken off of the desktop and search happens in the environment that it's currently in. And for most of us, that's that little device in our pocket, our phone. Make sure your website is optimized for mobile. What does that mean? Well, it means ensuring that you've got some sort of adaptive or responsive design so that things look and load properly, that you don't have to sort of do that pinch and drag where you're zooming in to see things, right? It should look and operate easy. The user experience should be good. It needs to load fast. You can't be loading heavy graphics or a ton of JavaScript or a bunch of other assets on your web page on a mobile device because for most areas, your mobile internet speeds are going to be a little bit slower than they would be if you're at home on your high-speed internet. And so making sure that your payload for your websites, the amount of files that have to be loaded is smaller. Make sure that your website is customized for mobile. And one of the easiest ways to do that is when you're designing your website, design it mobile first. Make sure it works for mobile and tablets first, and then think about the next size for desktops and some larger screen displays. We can't stress this enough. And everybody knows, okay, we have to have a good mobile website and all that, but not everybody knows what that means. And not everybody knows, okay, well, what do I do now? How do I check? Not only is this becoming, uh, is it important today, but we'll talk about this at another upcoming podcast. Google is going to release in May 2021, the page experience. And it's an update that's going to be in the algorithm. And one of the things they're going to look for that is a key component to it is how fast does your site load? And particularly, how fast does it load on mobile devices? So that is big. I think page load speed, maybe it was overplayed of of how it it ranked or how it affected your rankings. And maybe it was a little bit overblown at the beginning, although from a user experience, it's, it's huge. I think we're going to start to see it play a bigger role. And a lot of this has to do with the core web vitals. So that's a little bit technical and it gets into the areas that you can check in your your Google search console. Again, another Google platform that needs to be in your mix of things that you're looking at and optimizing for. So page load speed is big. Everything that's under the hood has to be kind of kicking. And that's something, if you don't know anything about this, check with your web team or your web developer, because this is something that they should be uh, on top of. And again, Google is going to increase the this factor in how it goes into the ranking, not just for local SEO, obviously, but just organic in general. Next, look at your local keywords. While keyword rankings themselves are maybe not quite as important as they used to be, Google's gotten smarter. 
It understands context better. It understands synonyms a little bit more. However, they still do play a role. Maybe the actual exact keywords are not as important as they used to be, but you do have to have an understanding of the language. And I don't mean English, Spanish, German. I'm talking about the types, the dialect that they're speaking in, the, the, the types of words that they're using when they're doing searches might be completely different than the types of words that they talk to their friends or their colleagues with. So understand the keywords that they're using, especially when it comes to local. Or is there a city in there? Are they using those near me searches, nearby, and so forth? One of the best ways still to go and have a better understanding of what keywords is go to Google Ads and look at the keyword planner. Start putting in uh, relevant keywords and Google's going to spit back to you some of the more popular keyword phrases and you can find some of the long uh, tail keyword phrases as well and start including those on your website. It's going to, again, help with your local SEO, especially when you tie that into uh, your city or your region that uh, your area that people are searching for or that they are within and doing those near me searches. So really hone in on those local keywords. Next is use location pages or location specific about us page. And this seems so simple, but a lot of businesses try to position themselves to be larger than what they are. And there's nothing wrong with being the business that you are and serving the local community. So put your location on your About Us page or create pages that list your locations and make it easy for people to find you. That includes making sure the NAP is present, NAP, your name, your address, and your phone number. Making sure that you've highlighted that. It's also a great idea to have a link to directions. This way people can find easy ways to access you. But something as simple as having your location prominently placed, easily accessible on the website, absolutely helps you in your local SEO rankings. And I think those who didn't update this during the lockdowns, during the closures, they left you know potential money on the table or potential visibility because when they were reopening, is Jay Bear, we had him on in 2020, talked about, okay, how have things changed? What, are, what is the new way that, where do I park at? How do you know I get into your facility? Do I have to wear a mask? Um, do you take an appointments? So those are the things that have evolved because human behavior had to change based off of a global pandemic. And pandemic aside, behaviors do change over time. And so one thing that we can do is keep up to date with your website and kind of all the things that Chris just talked about is a great place to put all that. So again, we're staying ahead of all of this. The next one is an oldie but goodie take advantage of online business directories. It helps. I, I wouldn't hang your hat. Like This is what's going to get you necessarily at number one. It's not as important as it used to be, but I still think having citations, having your business, especially those these local businesses listed in the Yelps of the world, making sure that you are listed even in like Apple Maps, uh, obviously Google Maps, which is Google My Business, are still important and you still want to get that visibility out there. So take advantage and get your business listed on these different business directories. A lot of things that you can use. Uh, Bright Local, another great tool for local SEO. They also provide, I think it's less than $100. You can get your businesses listed 
on several different directories that are appropriate for your business. And I think that's also key too. Yeah, there's actually a lot more directories than I think most people are aware of. So taking a little bit of time and doing some searches to see what directories are out there and requesting that your business is added can actually go a long way. And the other benefit that that provides, Ryan, leads us into tip number nine here. Focus on link signals. Get high quality backlinks. Any of these listings in a business directory provide a link back to your website, back to your business. And as we know, when we're talking about SEO, content is very, very important. But one of the other signals that Google relies on is websites that are linking to your site. In other words, websites that are adding authority to your site by sort of providing you know, a blessing or a reference to it. And that's one of the things that we, we advise as tip number nine here, focus on link signals. Try to get some of those high quality backlinks. Local directories are a great way to do that. Reach out to some other businesses that are linking to things in your area and see if you can get a placement on those sites as well. There's actually a lot of businesses that make their revenue, make their money by being a local directory for stuff. And so for them, it's a very easy process to go ahead and add you to it. You can also take advantage of news stories, right? Appearing in local publications. Then you get, you know, news articles that have links to you, and that can be very helpful. Leverage your social media channels. Links come in all sizes, all fashions, all different, you know, references. Take advantage of as many as possible. And another alternative that actually came up on our podcast just last week, Ryan, with Steve Wiedemann, is find websites that have broken links on a particular topic that your business actually ranks really, really well for. Maybe it's a service that you provide. Reach out to those sites and say, hey, I noticed you have a broken link here. Would this page on my site be helpful to your audience? Might not always work, but in some cases, they might end up giving you a link as a result of that. It certainly never hurts to ask. No, and that's definitely low-hanging fruit, but it's one of those you got to put the work into it. Little could be a little bit labor-intensive, but if you just put a little bit of time each week into searching for those that, that Steve talked about, uh, it's a great way to get more links, uh, content in front of other people by, again, having another website linking back to yours. And one other one, just to add on to everything that Chris said, especially when it comes to social media, look for local influencers. Work with them. See if you can have some sort of relationship with them or maybe they can come to your business and do some sort of promotion. Will there be a fee involved? Potentially. But you don't have to work with influencers that have 10,000 or more people. They don't necessarily, maybe a 1,000 followers is all you need because if those 1,000 followers are predominantly local, that's good. You're finding a niche where they could do some stories about you on local media. Maybe they even have a blog post. They write and then they link back to you. So it could be through a social media link back, which is great for user experience, makes it real easy. They could do a, something on their website that they link back and then you're gaining a, a backlink as well. So a lot of different things. And as we continue to move forward and technology continues to increase, there might even be more opportunities to gain high quality backlinks to your website. And then last on this topic, if you have multiple products and services, don't lump them all on just one page. Create a unique and dedicated web page for each product and service you offer. And I think that's truly important. I've seen other websites before where they have a lot of good things, but it's really one website. What they do is they bookmark each section, but it's still one long page. And you might click a service in the menu, but all you're doing is it's, it's just 
jumping you all the way down to the bottom. Maybe it's that bottom paragraph of that super long page and they're talking about that product or service. So what you end up having is maybe four or five products, but it's really just one page. So again, have a dedicated page for each product and service that you offer. Put quality content on there. Don't put 2000 words if you don't have enough quality information to add on it. But I do think it is important to have enough content on there that you can fulfill and have, again, a dedicated page for each product or service. So Google likes that. It will see that. And you are adding more content on your website, but you're not doing it just for the sake of adding more content. And, and Google likes this and it will index that. So when somebody is searching for that product or service, it will serve up that page that you have created. So those are some tips to help your business rank better. Next week, during part two of local SEO, we're going to focus on some local SEO analytics, how to measure your performance and how to make changes based on what you're seeing with the ranking results that you're getting for local SEO. But sort of before we close out this section, Ryan, I think it's helpful to talk about some of the top SEO ranking factors and things people can focus on if they want to position themselves a little bit more strongly. Yeah. One of the uh, sort of people I, I look at it in, in really industry experts is Darren Shaw and he is in Canada. His company is a uh, white spark. And I find it really fascinating. He puts out the survey and it's not every year. He puts it out every couple of years, maybe in one time there's like a three year difference in between. And when you kind of look back, you can actually see the evolution of the importance of what goes into Google determining, you know, your local SEO and there are seven different categories that you can sort of, you know, choose from that are important. At the beginning, I'm just going to talk about the top three and then we'll move into the other four. First and foremost is when you create your account, you have a primary Google My Business category. This is something they came up with a couple of years ago. But what's interesting is Google keeps adding all of these different categories. There is well over 4,000 categories to choose from. So an example, you know, if, if you're in an HVAC, you know, you'd want to select that category. If you are a car dealership, for example, there are multiple things you can choose from. You can choose a car dealership, but maybe more specifically, you are a Chevrolet dealership or you're a Honda dealership, you actually can choose that. And then later we'll get into sort of subcategories that you can choose from. But your primary category is the number one ranking factor in Google My Business. Number two is keywords that you have listed in your Google My Business title. Now your Google My Business title is the name of your company. So this is where it gets a little bit tricky because you might not have certain keywords in the title. For example, you can pick any different places like a Lowe's, for example. Now I'm saying Lowe's. Now Lowe's offers all different types of things, but there's no keywords in the brand name of Lowe's that tells you that they sell paint, that they sell plywood, that they sell lawnmowers, they sell gardening equipment. But Lowe's is a brand name and it's, it's recognized. So that part is a little bit okay, but maybe if you're a smaller to medium-sized business, it's really important that you have that keyword in there. So this is an area where you don't have a whole lot of control. But one thing you don't want to do, and I've seen this before, rare, but it happens. You have business name, and then you put a hyphen, and then you put, you stuff the title with keywords in there. 
you might believe that that is a good thing, but in reality, it's a bad thing. When you change your official name, that's one thing. But when you stuff it with keywords, Google will figure this out. And actually, it could hurt you in the long run. Now, you like anything with Google, you could do it. You might see quick, short success with it. But long term, you will eventually get penalized. Yeah, that's a good point, Ryan. And, and you definitely don't want to keyword stuff. But this is where, you know, I, I think back to sort of the older days of doing business. I remember being a kid and my parents were having blinds installed in a new home at the time. And the van pulled up and they got out and started doing the work. And I noticed that the name of the company was AAA Blinds, you know, AAA Blinds. And I asked the guy who was doing the installation at the time, why did you name your company AAA Blinds? And he's like, because it's the first thing that shows up in the phone book. So you have generations of businesses now that did things, you know, to manipulate their listing or their ranking. And the phone book was a perfect case. If I had three A's, I was more likely to show up on the top of the listing and therefore more likely to get the business. Today, you don't have to focus on the brand. The brand will build itself by the quality of the product, the quality of the service that you're putting out there. So it may not be a bad idea to consider renaming your business in some cases to ensure that you are stating what it is that you do. And that will also help you in cases like this, where you're talking about keywords in your Google My Business business title. The next thing is the proximity of the address that you're looking for in comparison to where you physically are located. Geolocation obviously is, is enabled in all these smartphones. So when you're looking for that, that is massive. You can generally only rank about a maximum of 10 miles away from that business's location. I will say that 10 miles radius of ranking locally is probably more suited for your rural areas than the more densely populated you become. There, there's no way it will last, go out that far 10 miles. I say no way, and someone will probably respond saying, we are, and we're in New York. But for the most part, nobody is that is in an urban and densely populated area can max out 10 miles. So the physical location of where you are to where your business is a huge factor in this. Now, the three that we just went over are the three most important in Google My Business and ranking, but also not only are they the three most heavily weighted factors, they also are the three that you technically have no control over. You can't control where somebody else is searching to where your business is. You basically can't control your Google My Business name, which is the name of your, unless you actually go out and just rename your, your company. And then whatever your category is, that your primary category, because that's what your business is. Those are the three, to a certain extent, are out of your control. And they also weigh the most. Now, Chris, let's go through and talk about the things that you can control. They might not weigh as much, but they are still important factors in Google My Business. Yeah. And if you have control over them, you absolutely want to leverage that control to align yourself best to position yourself very well in these search rankings. So the first is make sure that your primary Google My Business category is the one that closest matches the most valuable search term you want to rank for. There used to be this adage of, well, I want to show up in a bunch of categories for a bunch of different things because I want to increase my exposure. This isn't about increasing your exposure. This is about ensuring that you are aligned with the segment of the business that is most important to you that you can best serve. So when you're selecting your category from Google My Business, ensure that that aligns with the most valuable search term that you want to rank for. 
Another component, make sure you've filled out every other available additional category that's relevant to your business. And again, adding a bunch of unrelated categories to your listing is going to have an adverse effect to your ranking. You should not keyword stuff. But if there are other categories that are relevant, then take advantage of them. Make sure you list them underneath your business, but don't keyword stuff. Verify your listing. Ryan, this is such a simple one. And yet, do you know how many businesses I see unclaimed coming up in the Google search? And you know somebody owns the business. Make sure that you go in there, claim your My Business property, and verify the listing and verify the information. It's so simple. And yet, there's so many that don't do it. And then finally, fill out every available field within Google My Business. You want to make sure that your listing is as complete as possible. And this will help you with conversions too. So these are all great points. And, and just to go through it again, one of the, 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 the factors that came from this survey uh, with WhiteSpark, and he surveyed basically other local SEO experts in North America. And Google My Business is by far is the highest weighted to get ranked at number one for your local SEO. So it's important, as Chris said, to make sure you fill out every single field in Google My Business and they seem to be adding more every once in a while. So keep checking with it. The insights, and we'll talk about that next week. Google has added more to it. So you're starting to get even more data from Google My Business in their analytics section. Again, come back next week for episode 49, and we'll break that down. So Google My Business reviews, your on-page SEO, your links, your backlinks. These are the most important things that you need to optimize for, to pay attention to, and respond, meaning like reviews, for example. If somebody gives you a positive review, respond, reply back saying thank you. Somebody gives you a negative review, reply back to try to take it offline, get a phone call going. There's a lot of things that you can do to help rank, and it all begins with Google My Business. So that will wrap another edition of Digital Marketing Happy Hour. Hopefully you found a lot of value in local SEO. And as Ryan mentioned, be sure to tune in next week when we talk about analytics and measurement so we can help you make modifications to the work that you've already done to continue to rank higher in your local SEO. But no episode of Digital Marketing Happy Hour is complete without the Keeping It Light segment. So Ryan, what are you reading, binge watching, or listening to this week? It's so funny, we were talking about keep it light and I'm doing the opposite of keep it light. So I'm behind the times here and I'm kind of going back. Uh, everybody's already seen this, but I'm watching uh, The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu and it is anything but light. It is actually pretty dark and uh, it's really good. It's riveting. I'm, I'm halfway through, which I'm in a way, part of me is, is excited about because they've had, I think, three seasons. They took 2020 off for obvious reasons and season four will be coming out later in 2021. So I won't have to wait two years like everybody else had to do uh, when this one comes out. So that part of it is good. But uh, that is uh, what I'm uh, not keeping it light with. How about you, Chris? Yeah, that's definitely a dark show, but it's really good. I read the book when I was in college and uh, I was curious when the show came out and I waited. And, uh, you know, the nice thing about it is that the show actually gets better as each season goes along. And it's to your point, it's it's heavy. It's dark, right? You got to You can't watch like back to back to back episodes. You need to give yourself a little bit of breathing room, but it's definitely an entertaining show. 
I, on the other hand, I actually am keeping it light. You know, it rained all weekend here and I'm usually at the ball field with my two boys and uh, had games rained out. So I had some time to uh, relax a little bit. And I caught a documentary on Netflix called The Last Blockbuster, which, you know, I remember going to Blockbuster religiously on a Friday to check out the new releases section and overpay for a movie because I wanted to see what it was, you know, and get a bag of popcorn on the way out and whatnot. And you know, the the adage of Netflix kind of destroying <laughs> what was Blockbuster. But the documentary goes into how there is one Blockbuster remaining in the entire world. And it's located here in the United States in Bend, Oregon, which is so fascinating to me. And it talks about, you know, how the store has survived, what the community looks like. It talks about the downfall of Blockbuster. Uh, And, you know, the coolest part is that they interview a bunch of celebrities like Kevin Smith is in there, Ron Funches, Doug Benson, you know, and so there, it takes a humorous approach to something very lighthearted and the nostalgia that Blockbuster brings back for many of us. So, you know what, if you've got about an hour and a half, I recommend it. It's a good watch. So I, I have to tie this in. When I was in college, I worked at Blockbuster Video for two and a half to, to three years uh, on that. So I have spent many of weekend nights at, at Blockbuster. And actually, they do inventory old days where you, when you do inventory, it, it closed at a midnight. And so then you would do inventory where you had to go and scan every individual VHS tape and then DVDs as well. And you would get done at like six in the morning. And so those were the longest days. So when you talk about Blockbuster, there's a little bit of nostalgia, but that's also what I think about was uh, pulling all-nighters of scanning with barcodes all night long. And uh, so that's that's where my memory goes. But uh, yeah, good time. A little bit of PTSD. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) Well, please send us your feedback. If there's something that you heard that you disagree with, let us know if there's something that you resonated with and you enjoyed it. Also, let us know the best way to reach out to us. It's a couple of ways. Send us an email, podcast at araxam.com. That's podcast at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. Also hit us up on social media. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is Ryan Smith FLA. And then of course on LinkedIn, just do a search for Ryan Smith Marketing or do a search for Araxum and you'll find myself and Chris there. And you can find me on Twitter under Real Chris Caselli. That's R-E-A-L-C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-A-L-E. And on LinkedIn under my name, Chris Caselli. And of course, as Ryan mentioned, you can find both of us under Araxum and of course, Digital Marketing Happy Hour. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Audible, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. We sincerely hope it's a bright spot in your day. After all, it is our mom's favorite podcast. On that note, have a great week, everyone. Be kind to each other. Thank you for listening to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. This week's episode is brought to you by Araxum.com, your digital resource for marketing and technology. Visit Araxum at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. The music intro you heard is called Pure Adrenaline by Eddie off the album Too Damn Loud. You can learn more at CactusSlimRecords.com. The music used for closing credits is a song called In My Pocket by Jazzer. You can find it on their album Message. Learn more at BetterWithMusic.com. Thank you for listening.